You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This is Father James Scholl, and I want to continue with the book At the Limits of Political Philosophy as part of our Introduction to Political Philosophy Consideration. This, uh, we start here with the second section of the book, which is called in general, The Grounds of Political Realism. The second chapter, fourth chapter, uh, that we're now uh, dealing with is called, um, Evil and Political Realism. It begins with a citation from Samuel Johnson, which was penned in 1781, where he said, I, Boswell, talked to him, Samuel Johnson, of original sin in consequence of the fall of man and of the atonement made by our Savior. After some conversation, which he desired me to uh, remember, he, at my request, dictated to me as follows, quote, With respect to original sin, the inquiry is not necessary, for whatever is the cause of human corruption, men are evidently and confessedly so corrupt, confessedly so corrupt, that all the laws of heaven and earth are insufficient to restrain them from crimes. The end of the quote. We'll begin this discussion of evil and political philosophy, uh, political realism, with a question of the relationship between evil and rule. These blunt observations of Samuel Johnson about original sin, or the fall, as it is sometimes known, are directed to the religious doctrine that addresses the uh, enigmatic nature and uh, unsettling constancy of human evils in history. Johnson did not begin with a theological uh, theory uh, to conclude from it the fact that corruption existed among men. Rather, Johnson began from evident and self-confessed facts about which everyone knew. G.K. Chesterton had said something similar, namely, that original sin was the one doctrine that existed of which uh, we did not need any proof. All anyone needed to do uh, was to go out into the streets and open his eyes to see what went on there. Aristotle himself, uh, perplexed by the same uh, experience, wrote about those who uh, thought they could deal with disorders of property by simply an act of legislation. This is what Al Aristotle put it. Such legislation may have a specious appearance of benevolence. Men 
readily listen to it and are easily induced to believe that in some wonderful manner everyone will become everybody's friend, especially when someone is heard uh, denouncing the evils now existing in states, suits about contracts, convictions for perjury, and the flatteries of rich men and the like, when, which are said to arise out of the possession of private property. These evils, however, are due to a very different cause, the wickedness of human nature. The end of the quote. Original sin as a doctrine I may or may not explain the incidence of human evil, but the incidents, along with the related topics of death and hell, must be intellectually uh, confronted. More than anything, they explain the uh, seriousness with which we must, uh, must confront human thought in its understanding of human reality. Whatever we may think of its cause, some fundamental uh, disorder exists in human nature for which an account needs to be made both in theory and in practice. In a sense, not only evil causes disorder in human life and society, but likewise the search for an explanation of, of it that does not uh, make the evil worse uh, can uh, cause great dis uh, discord. So what way would you improve it? The very reality of evil brings political philosophy beyond itself in seeking to constrain and understand it, to attain and understand it. We cannot maintain that absolutely everything human beings do is good. So to affirm is either to uh, equivocate about the uh, meaning of what uh, we understand by good and evil, or to contradict or lie to ourselves. The disorder among men and within ourselves, then, uh, provokes us, challenges us to uh, limit it as best we can. It demands that we attempt to understand what it means. At no point do political philosophy, theology, and philosophy uh, meet in more perplexing and tormented uh, circumstances than in the question of the roots and causes of these disorders of action and heart that we uh, cannot deny exist except by embracing some theological or uh, philosophical illusion. Such disorders often are found amidst the most dire of circumstances, but perhaps even more frequently and more inexplicably, uh, they exist also among the best of conditions. We deny the dignity of the poor if we uh, claim that they cannot and do not uh, commit evils, and we withdraw from reality if we think that the rich and the well-off 
simply by that fact alone are good and happy uh, or evil and uh, rejected. Government, whose most visible sign is often police, army, and tax collectors, does not, to be sure, arise exclusively from this need to attend to the evils men commit against each other. Even supposing human beings never committed any evils, or to put it um, in religious terms, even supposing there were no fall, uh, an argument can be made, it was indeed by made by Aristotle and refined by St. Thomas, for the necessity of government uh, from human nature itself. This is what Aristotle meant by calling man by nature a political animal. This argument about the nature, about the natural necessity of government arose also from the very freedom and intelligence of men who can discover uh, a multiplicity of reasonable alternatives open to them on, um, on almost any issue, alternatives that can be maintained without fault or disorder. Among these uh, alternatives, uh, someone uh, designated as government, whatever particular form uh, it might take, must choose to follow one course of uh, common action rather than another. Agreement uh, to live together and the need to spend time on diverse things if they are to uh, be well done are natural and arise even if no disorder existed in the human soul. Nonetheless, such a an actual government, particularly its most obviously coercive aspect, so it has to do with counteracting the evils committed against each other, including, if possible, the evils that come from the personnel, personal disorders of those individuals who make up the government themselves. C.S. Lewis put it this way, there are two opposite reasons for being a Democrat. You may think all men are so good that they deserve a share in the government uh, of the commonwealth and so wise that, they, um, that the commonwealth needs their advice. That is, in my opinion, the false romantic doctrine of democracy. On the other hand, you might believe that fallen men fallen men to be so wicked that not one of them may be trusted with any irresponsible power over his fellows. That I believe to be the true ground of democracy. The end of the quote. The doctrine of the fall or original sin would insist that no body of rule, rulers can exempt, them, exempt themselves in principle from the dangers of self-love and temptations to evil. What will protect us from our protectors has been a major concern of all practical political institutions. 
many instruments of government from separation of powers to frequency of elections and even payment of legislators and bureaucrats out of government funds were designed um, to counteract this danger that arose from the possible corruption of government officials. It is one of the tenets of political realism that even those reforms are themselves subject to abuse and uh, deviate uh, from their intended purpose by perverse human will. Yet, without some government, conditions among men could be even worse, though Plato already understood and uh, that the worst uh, human conditions would be a government itself totally corrupt. Constitution, uh, constitution and law, uh, from this point of view, are instruments designed to reduce the dangers of the governed that might arise from themselves and from foreign sources and from the crimes of the governors, even those governors freely chosen by the people. All theories of political realism seek to account for this uh, propensity among men and rulers themselves to commit crimes and irregularities. Political realism does not deny the necessity of rule. It may indeed enhance it. Political realism pauses at least three uh, positions. One, serious disorders regularly occur in all human uh, societies of whatever uh, condition of race, nationality, gender, class, intelligence, or experience. Two, government at its minimum, that government governs best, which governs least, is designed to lessen evil, though not generally without the threat or use of force or without the danger of government, a government's own adding to these very disorders, even when it seeks to do good. Goodwill and good laws are by no means identical. Three. The anarchist thesis, namely that government itself is the main cause of evil, so that evil would disappear if government disappeared altogether, is, if put into practice, merely another way of quickly multiplying evil. The fact of evil lies in causes deeper than government can uh, directly deal with. St. Thomas understood this clearly when he noted that civil law did not reach to those inner causes and choices from which all evil arose. Government has the character both of a good institution required by men for their own completion and of a necessary evil capable of uh, confronting the extremes of crime and disorder uh, that do occur in any polity. Force 
in all cases must be reasonably uh, designed to prevent greater evils. The second section is on crimes and intelligence. Samuel Johnson himself was an Orthodox Christian. On this particular topic of why human beings do evil things, this orthodoxy meant that Johnson did not believe that man was by nature evil or corrupt, even though he was capable of doing many evil things. All being, including human being, in all of its given powers, as it exists, as it is, is good. This position did not mean that there was no evil uh, proceeding from human beings. The evidence demonstrated that from human action there followed much evil and often evil of vast uh, proportions. The teaching about original sin meant rather that the cause or source of this evil was not in the existence or the nature of man, nor was it in any of man's given faculties or powers. Rather, it was to be found in the exercise of human freedom. This freedom, without which we would not have been the kind of beings that we are was what made evil possible, freedom itself. For human beings to do evil, paradoxically, if it had to be possible for them not, it had, it had to be possible for them not to do it. So without this premise of the possibility of doing either good or evil, no such thing as a responsible human uh, freedom uh, or consequently of real moral evil was possible. Human beings were rational beings even when they did evil things. They did the evil they did for purposes that could be at least to themselves explained and justified in apparently reasonable um, uh, terms. Human beings always give reasons for the evil that they do. And such rational explanations um, did not lessen the fact that what they did do was wrong. So just because you give a reason for why you did it doesn't mean it was right. Johnson stated the obvious, if unsettling, fact uh, when he remarked that the Quote, laws of heaven and earth were not sufficient to restrain men from uh, their crimes, end of the quote. Arguing backwards from a survey of almost any historical uh, political order or of any human life, uh, for that matter, it was necessary to conclude on empirical grounds that human, uh, that crimes were not prevented by human or divine laws. This result did not mean that such human and divine laws were either useless or unnecessary. What was necessary was the freedom to choose good and evil. 
Without this freedom, there could be no human being at all. Human and divine law did prevent many crimes and disorders that might otherwise have occurred. Rather, the fact of human disorder meant that human beings in their freedom could and did act against both human and divine laws. Crimes and evils happened. No amount of rhetoric could obscure that fact. Some people in any era or polity were relatively good and honorable, saints even. Most people who were a mixture of good and, and bad characteristics, as Aristotle observed, could recognize and do good things some of the time. But for the most part, crimes and disorders existed on a, uh, on a wide basis and had to be accounted for both intellectually, why did they exist, and politically, how to control or limit them. Not to adhere, not to address each of these um, divisions, both the why and the how, uh, indicated a failure, a failure to appreciate the seriousness and complexity of human life. Johnson's words uh, bring uh, to our attention another permanent question arising from personal and political life, but one uh, that seems to transcend politics in its overall uh, meaning and um, implications. Johnson held that a fall or an original sin operated in the human condition, affecting every human being. He also held that an atonement for such evil had to come from outside or of purely human powers. Yet this atonement manifested its effects within human life. Ultimately, the reason given for the death of Christ was specifically human sin, as if to argue that even the Godhead recognized the need of to account for human disorders. Functioning within human nature or uh, directed to it were spiritual or religious uh, resources. These were in themselves real but invisible to, uh, to or beyond the reach of politics. These forces or initiatives, insofar as they, as they too incite man to uh, a right ordering or a, a right ordering of his soul, may well prove uh, to be the most important elements in the well-being of any political society, things like grace and um, revelation. They explain why the human solution is, strictly speaking, uh, ir irremediable. These forces, while invisible in themselves, do become visible and uh, external in their deeds, in the deeds of men, even though they can 
always be misunderstood or seen to be something other than what they really are. The truth of the doctrine of original sin and its visible results did not mean that human crimes made it impossible for human beings to hope or to look beyond the reality of the crimes themselves or even beyond the normal expectations of human nature. Johnson held that these evident crimes, that neither human or divine law were sufficient to prevent, were committed uh, by actual human beings who were not powerful enough by themselves to repair their own damage. They needed a savior uh, to do what they could not do by themselves uh, because, their, uh, because their crimes, bad enough in themselves, uh, reached the div divinity uh, through the or origin and dignity of human life itself. Crimes and sins involved not merely uh, dialogue with those affected by them, uh, with the polity responsible to uh, control them, but with the divinity who stood at the origin and end of each human being. If human crimes are not forgiven or atoned for, uh, they remain uh, to cause it um, resentment or a vengeance uh, that ends up in, if not stopped, by corrupting both souls and the civil order. The only thing that could stop the vengeance associated with crime was forgiveness. So we talk about evil in, in good existence. In his famous proofs for the existence of God, St. Thomas Aquinas, as he prepared uh, to treat this central philosophical consideration, first listed the major objections that men have formulated against the possibility of God's existence. Needless to say, the first and probably most cogent of these objections is the existence of evil. Aquinas did not handle this objection to God's existence by denying that evil existed, or as certain philosophers and religions have tried to uh, maintain. However, Aquinas did not think that either the existence of evil or the existence of God, both of which uh, had independent bases uh, for their uh, being considered, needed to be denied if we uh, could understand in some ordered uh, argument how both might exist. But Aquinas did think that we must, if we be human, understand the implications of the problem of evil and uh, the reality and its reality among men. The political awareness of a capacity to uh, counteract evil depended upon a philosophical consideration that uh, secured the topic from manipulation by politics. 
that itself changed, uh, claimed to be the sole source of the distinction between good and evil. Aquinas recognized that unless men were erroneously persuaded by a particular philosopher or religious argument to the denial of their experience, uh, they will immediately acknowledge that some sort of evil exists in the world. If they are even more honest, they will recognize that it exists in themselves as a product of their own agency. Much may be said about the theoretical understanding of what evil might be itself a necessary intellectual consideration for any examined life. The whole of the political world, at one level, is, however, uh, filled with a web of, of blame and anger that recognizes as its justification um, opposition to evil that occurs in any political order in any individual life. Praise or and blame, as Aristotle said, indicates that we recognize good and evil in our own and others' uh, actions. We will see later how Aristotle considered evil was possible in our lives, how it arose as a rational, an irrational being uh, that sought happiness in his every act, even in his disordered ones. Likewise, in the discussion on hell about the meaning of unpunished violations, the question will be asked whether violations of justice can be initially resolved so that the world can be considered morally and intellectually uh, complete or coherent. The question of evil and its resolution uh, arose in the context of justice and order. Some of the greatest crimes that we know of within human history and experience, moreover, have been perpetuated within and magnified by uh, political order, uh, often by intelligent men and women, philosophers even, who claim to be seeking uh, mankind's well-being. The scale of evil in the political order uh, makes it most obvious to us that it exists. And this is why Plato called the civil society, both in its good and its evil, the individual writ large. Plato observed that to do evil but appear to do good could seem to be what many men uh, most wanted. The worst thing that could happen to a human beings, he thought, would be for them to do evil deeds and have them uh, praised as if they were good. Political philosophy and uh, political experience are assaulted on every side by questions involving evil. 
Evil, again, is one of those questions that arise initially in personal and civil life. But in the pursuit of its intelligibility and uh, restriction, it leads to deeper questions of philosophy and revelation. No one can avoid the perplexities caused by evil. No one can fail to seek some accounting uh, for it. No education is complete uh, that does not, at some point, seriously confront the reality of evil among, among human beings. We should seek to understand evil in its reality and variety before we consent to do it. Preferably, our understanding would include, uh, would, would hinder us from doing uh, evil, but Aristotle has shown that virtue is not only knowledge. Virtue is more than knowledge. A virtue includes knowing and doing. So that will be the end of the first part of this um, chapter 4. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.